Welcome to a bit cryptic podcast where we interview top crypto experts to take you down the rabbit hole into the world of cryptocurrency. Now it's time to get a bit cryptic. I'm here with Charles Wismer and Phil Mirzriglocki of Deedcoin. Deedcoin is a blockchain-powered real estate service disruptor that is dropping real estate fees from 6% down to 1%. My name is Jeff Peterson. And Rob, since this is your first podcast you're appearing on, can you introduce yourself? My name is Rob Peterson. I am lead smart contract engineer at the B Token. We are creating short-term housing rentals on the blockchain. I'm also co-host of this podcast, and Jeff's my brother. Charles, Phil, we're super excited to have you guys on today. How are you feeling? Hey, great, Jeff. It's great to be here. Feeling fantastic, Jeff. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So let's dive right in, shall we? Tell me a little bit about your background, starting with you first, Charles. Yeah. So originally, I guess, uh, well, a couple of years ago, I started uh, getting into the investment real estate market. Um, I was doing house flipping for a little bit, buying at auction, uh, fixing them up and then moving them to market afterward. I didn't have a license at the time to sell real estate, so I had to hire a uh, real estate agent to complete all these transactions. And uh, it was a huge bottom line item for my business, very expensive. I was basically paying somebody's salary to do contracts for me. And uh, I realized often, you know, I'd be at the house actually opening them, you know, showing people, which I really shouldn't have been doing. But the fact is that I just realized I was paying a lot of money for uh, not really a lot of service. And that motivated me to go ahead and just get a license to kind of cut that part out of the business. So I ended up at uh, Momentum Realty, which actually Matt, the other uh, founder, originally it was his brokerage. And we've been busy here doing what we do, especially helping investors and property flippers. Uh, We're actually an investment real estate brokerage. So basically all of our clients were repeat clients. We handled a lot of property for them and we never charged them 6%. And then we realized that there's kind of a more streamlined business model on which real estate can run on. So you've been doing this for quite a while now. Yeah, definitely. Probably two or three years I've been doing the house flipping thing. Anyways, uh, when I start getting in the other end of things, you know, it was just more exciting being on the investment end. It didn't really slow down my business too much. But yeah, then we started uh, exploring blockchain and seeing what that was about and realizing that there's a lot of solutions in the real estate space where they still use fax machines and all sorts of old school messaging options. So yeah, it's nice to bring technology to something like that. Yeah, I still work in a laboratory where we use those, I don't even know what you call them, but the phones that people use from the 70s where you have to like push all the buttons like by hand and rotary phone. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. So, I feel you on the lack of technology front. No, those are classy. It's okay. Yeah. What about you, Phil? Tell me a little about your background. Okay, yeah. I'm actually a Navy veteran. I used to work on a submarine for a long time, but I guess you could say I was sort of born into entrepreneurial spirit. I guess since I was 16 years old, I've been trying to run small businesses here, there, and the other. My whole family comes from a real estate background. In fact, I only just got my realtor license in 2017 when my aunt, who was the family realtor, announced her retirement. But I've been in real estate since I was 19. I bought my first house when I was about 19. I've known about crypto probably since like 2011 or so. I was actually mining it for a little while back in 2012, 2013. I guess you could say I signed up with the Deedcoin team a little bit later in the timeline, but I guess here I am now. I was, I'm the media director based on, I guess you could say the network that I built when I was a a political comedian on the internet 
between the years of 2013 to 2015 in the type of politics that are very crypto friendly. So naturally, I have a lot of people in this network, if that makes sense to you, Jeff. Well, that is one of the most interesting things I've heard in a while. I want to hear more about that. (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah. So social media, social media and politics was an interesting combination, but it really seemed to take off. And the thing is you could get the things like virality and, you know, evangelism really sort of got born out of politics way before, you know, the internet was used for stuff like brand management or community management, so to speak, or maybe not completely, but Politics and social media just had this fantastic way of, I guess you could say, synthesizing with each other because people who were politically outspoken were politically outspoken even more on the internet. You know what I mean? If you had a strong opinion and you had access to the internet, you were definitely 10 times more likely to be able to voice on the internet than you would, you know, I don't know, talking to people at work. You'd agree with me there? Definitely. The internet lets you speak your mind for better or for worse. Right. So basically on the internet, if you just have the ability to charismatically, I guess you could say, convey a message and people will line up behind that message, you will essentially be blessed with celebrity whether you like it or not. Does that all make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I didn't use my name, which of course is incredibly hard to pronounce, say, and looks like it was misspelled, but I used a couple different monikers. And I won't say that on this particular podcast. Some people who know me already know who I am. And so to speak, I had a very large, I guess you could say, network of influence through social media for a long time. I kind of retired from it for a while. I kind of, uh, I guess you could say, got bored or jaded or fed up. But I still always had it. Like I still met so many friends that I kept contact with over the years that it still kind of uh, remained there as a bit of a shadow. And I'm able to sort of just jump back into it. Everywhere I go for this line of work, I'm running the people who I've known for years and I'm just meeting them for the first time. Yeah, like when I met you, I met a friend there. at. I met you at Blog Talks, by the way for anyone who's listening. And I met a friend who I had been my friend since 2013, but I never met him in real life until that particular event. Hmm. So you just had so many people you knew from the internet that that you had been talking to and then it's like, oh, there you are in real life. You're a person. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, it's the weirdest thing to say too. Like, yeah, I actually have a lot of friends from the internet. That's, that's kind of weird. But sure enough, you know, in this day and age, it's more and more common, especially when it comes to niche subjects like crypto. You know, you got to find the community. You know what I mean? It's all about everybody reaching out toward each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. In modern age, there's teams that are remote that have never even seen each other in real life that can build something together. It's pretty amazing what, what we can accomplish in 2018. Couldn't agree more. That's my background. So what led you to create Decoin? Well, we created Decoin to solve a lot of the problems that uh, blockchain can solve in a lot of industries. Number one, if you look at Bitcoin long ago, uh, the major issue there was centralized control. If you have a single banking organization with a, an old school ledger, and, and technology like that in the middle of an ecosystem of people trying to transfer money. That power has all of the control because they have the system. It only works with them so they can decide the regulations, the rates. They have complete monopoly on transfer of wealth. We do the same thing to decentralize the, uh, the real estate industry. Uh, there's a couple of powers that work against the customers in real estate. One is the NAR, two is the marketing companies. The NAR is basically a union lobbyist that pushes for 6% commissions for all the consumers. The reason they do this is because they work on that union fee model. The more agents that stay in business, the more that they can continue to maintain their power, their marketing, their budgets for everything. It's a lot of union dues they collect. Uh, there's about 1 million license agents in the U.S. and there's 5 million transactions if you round. And that means that everybody is getting five transactions a year. That's not very many. So it's important that every one of those to the NAR remains at a very high commission rate. Therefore, they can maintain the amount of people they have you know, funding the machine they run. So they've done things like the local MLSs, for example. You have to join the NAR, also your state organization and also your local organization. So you pay about $800 a year 
to lobbyists and unions. The reason you do this is because you can access the MLS. Nobody goes to the, the meetups or you know donates to this thing because everybody already pays $800. Could you explain what MLS is for people not familiar with real estate? Oh yeah, absolutely. So an MLS is called a multiple listing service. It's where all of the housing data comes from when a house goes on for sale. Basically, a real estate agent is going to come out, take pictures, get a contract done, and then post these pictures, the specs of the house, a write-up on a uh, system that looks like something out of the early 90s. Uh, They're very outdated, uh, very difficult to use, and they're not for customers. So the agents put it on here and the data syndicates out to marketing companies. So when buyers see a house that somebody's listed for sale on the MLS, they're seeing it in a much cleaner format because Zillow's taking that data, uh, restructuring it, and getting everything to look right so the customers can access it. So the two edges of the system that they're doing here, number one, they're motivated by volume. And when you're motivated by volume on a union fee model, uh, the only thing you want to do is keep your subscriber base high. That's how you grow power. That's how you gain power. And that's why you release things like the danger report saying how dangerous it is for people to save money on commissions. On the other side, when you build a platform for all the data to be input by agents, and then you don't allow access to the customer base, uh, what you've essentially done there is made the data go elsewhere to be found. So what they've done is they syndicate out, as I said, to Zillow and Realtor.com and those nine other websites that all the customers access. So the customers link back with the agent based on which agent is paying the most marketing cost to be the affiliated picture. It's not the agent that lists the house. If you go on Zillow and see the face next to it, nine out of 10 times, that's not that person. It's somebody else that paid 2000 or $4,000 a month to be that picture in that area every time it cycles around. Wow. Yeah, exactly. So you got all these customers and that's where they're finding the houses. And you know they're seeing it for free, but they're billing on the agent side. So if you look at the acquisition costs that comes through Zillow for agents, it's incredibly high. You might pay 2000 or 4000 for a campaign, get a bunch of junk leads, and then you get maybe four or five uh, what they call warm calls. And that's somebody calling in. So if you manage to convert just one of those to the closing table as an agent, that's only one deal a month for something you paid three or $4,000 to be on. These kind of things, these customer acquisition costs are a real problem for agents, but it's the way the model works. They keep commissions high. They transfer all the data out. They lock down free access for customers. And all of these costs in the marketing end, they're all passed through to agents making the argument even greater for why commission should be so high. What DeedCoin is doing, it's decentralizing the powers in the middle there by connecting those two parties directly, working outside or over the top of the standard MLSs, fixing the customer acquisition cost problem for the agents. And because we can fix that problem, we can also solve the problem of why people pay too much in commission. So basically, the NAR is just charging rent to people in order to use that money to separate the customers and the realtors. Yeah. And it's almost worse than that. I don't think there's a business model that uh, quite matches charging rent on a system, then shoving all the customers away from it so they can be charged on another system. Uh, It really is a next level madness that's going on in the market. And all those costs are passed down, you know, as higher commissions and helping them justify it. Can I use the word evil here? Is that all right? You know, evil might be a little bit extreme, but just inefficient and, I don't know, bloated, for lack of a better word. You know, when you're a realtor, the most common complaint you hear these days is, let's say you're introducing yourself to someone as a realtor. The largest complaint you're going to hear is, don't you think 6% is a bit too much commission for what you're doing? And, you know, you start hearing this complaint often enough. It's no longer a recurring complaint. It's now data. Do you know what I mean, Jeff? Hmm. So people are actively complaining, are you sure you are worth this much? 
Right, especially because now 97% of home buying is started with a search on the internet. So obviously the housing market is ready to shift towards an internet-focused business model, for lack of a better term. Hmm. So it makes sense that this, yeah, it seems this is like really ripe for some sort of disruption, especially by something like blockchain. This is like almost a case study on something that blockchain could be used for. Yeah, and most importantly, it takes the kind of network size that can be created with something like blockchain to get both users, get vendors all on the same system. It's kind of similar to an Amazon style business model. If you look at it, we don't do the brick and mortar approach of constantly expanding the brokerages and just becoming a mega brokerage with a lot of overhead and all this madness going on because that would also incentivize us to stay at those 6% commissions. What we do is we work more as a connecting platform. The connections are between the customers and the agents themselves, and they don't have to worry about any of those customer acquisition costs in the middle. Basically, by streamlining all of those things that raise the factors of commissions out of it, uh, we're able to build a network of agents that can take much, much lower rates and work also with Deedcoin. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so it's not a very NAR-friendly activity. So at their next, you know, Christmas party on the Death Star, we may not be so popular, but, you know, (laughs) it is what it is. It is what it is. How do you differentiate yourself from other real estate applications on blockchain right now? Well, there really is no applications right now that apply to the entire industry. They're really niche sectors of the industry. And uh, that was surprising when we initially, you know, were putting together everything and the white paper and the idea, you know, uh, you do your searches online and you make sure that there's not six other startups. Uh, It was pretty surprising that we were the first one to figure out how blockchain can benefit this. But then we thought about it and we realized all of our competition are real estate agents and brokerages, and they function on a very old school business model. You know, as I mentioned earlier, they still use faxes. So there's a big void between fax machines and blockchain. So the other tokens on the market, they're doing very, very small things. One that's particularly dangerous, and I'm not going to mention, but is tying uh, any kind of real estate or physical asset to a token. If a token is backed by something physical, it becomes a dangerous situation when, say, the property portfolio behind it might grow 3 or 5% uh, this year, and somehow the token managed to do 200%. So what that's done is created an artificial bubble exclusive to that owns token economy. You can't have something that's, you know, if you bought a $100,000 house and, you know, it's worth 103 in one year, but somehow you have these little portions of the house that all added up equal 300000 this can't exist. So that's one sort of thing that people are doing in real estate and blockchain, and it's not a good application. Uh, there are better ones, however. Their fractional ownership in property. That one can kind of make sense, but it's still a uh, it's still a very niche product, and it still has that token pricing model problem that can cause a lot of instability. Some of the other uh, startups that apply to a smaller sector are things like, I guess, Rex MLS. Rex is an amazing product, but it's very difficult to get everybody switched to a new MLS system when you don't have the backing of, say, a nationwide agent network. That can be tricky. This really has to be a uh, a full solution to get anybody in that market to come over to another option. You have to have, because the NAR has done it. They've put the customers away from the agents. They've put the agents away from the customers and they found a way to keep the prices high. And everybody on board that uh, supports their cause generally is the kind of uh, mega brokerage that'll have, say, you know, 60,000 agents signed under it. So all of the big players in this industry are all very, very large organizations, and they have no reason to cut their costs. They like the way the model works right now. 
uh, and all the small guys, they have no way to kind of impact this in any substantial way for a change. So it, it's hard to apply a product to a very niche sector of the industry because the other ones simply won't play along. So that's one thing that Deedcoin does different. It applies to all aspects of the industry, buyers, sellers. You have uh, also the agents. You get all the agents on board. At the same time, you built a new economy outside of everything. I don't think anybody's done that on a whole industry approach. So you guys are creating like a new MLS system and you're creating the connection between the users directly. So you're, you're creating like the two things together at once. Yes. So that is part of the project. It's, it's not on the initial platform. Initially, we're fixing the pricing model first because that's the most important and uh, easy attack venue initially against the current system. It's all about disruption. You kind of have to do one thing at a time. Yes. And initially, it works very similar to the, the Bitcoin model. The token transfers. The token has an option for users outside of the system that stands today. Bitcoin you know, allowed people to go around banks. They weren't happy with it. Uh, there's predatory uh, transfer rates, overregulation, slowdowns, cancels after two weeks of sending a wire. People didn't like that and they found a better option. So our economic point of view for being on the blockchain solves that exact same problem. It allows people to interact and do business instead of banking and money transfers, but in real estate without working with those centralized incumbent powers that have been sitting there for a long time with a monopoly. So yes, we do plan on going uh, into a Gen 3 blockchain eventually, but we're not sure who that's going to be yet. However, part of our plan is the uh, the MLS system. It's called the Gen 3 MLS. It is not its, its own blockchain. It is going on a different blockchain designed for commercial purposes that we will decide as that is being developed, whoever is, I guess, uh, most stable and most appropriate for it. But the idea of this uh, would be uh, many, many benefits over the current things that people are using. MLS platform software, it looks like it's from the 1990s. It's incredibly hard to use and you can't access it as a customer. A much better option would be something that is absolutely secure. You couldn't alter a, a property's disclosure from the last time it got sold. You can't take a document off of it. You know, something had black mold or a structural problem on its last transfer before a current buyer. You could see that on the blockchain. On top of that, without the NAR control, you could charge, say, agents five deed coin or, you know, five dollars, uh, doesn't matter, whatever the pricing model is, but you could charge per listing, which would be a much more fair way to maintain a system. On top of that, you give the customers free access to it because by giving customers free access to a nice, clean looking platform that they should be able to access anyways, you take away all of those third party marketing costs when customers have to use things like Zillow and all this traffic's going through a system like that where they can backsell it to the agents. Because realistically, customers participating in a business model that backsells data is causing their costs to raise on the back end. So it is important that we don't just have a one free market solution for how commissions work, but also we build an entire ecosystem around the things that can be solved in real estate with blockchain. There's a lot of startups and they have a single great idea, but there's also a lot of improvement that can happen as well. And the great thing about blockchain is you can add more capability. I mean, if you look at things, uh, for example, Bitcoin is doing now, you know, not all the forks, but some of the forks. Anyways, it, it adds a lot of functionality. You have the Lightning Network now. There's a lot of options coming. So I, I just think it's important that a, a solution to an industry stays updated with the industry because there's no sense in creating blockchain if you're just going to do what the last guy did before blockchain and not change with the times. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And you guys are kind of keeping in with what the original spirit of 
what Bitcoin was for anyway, which is to disrupt the middleman that's charging unfair rent essentially on top of a system that Thank slows you. everything down and makes it makes it hard to do anything and makes it costly and bloated. Thank you for being able to see that. I guess that segues into the next question of, could you describe your token economics and why uh, Deedcoin, why it exists? Yeah, so the uh, the purpose of Deedcoin is to buy down commissions. It's a uh, fully SEC compliant usable token, and it works on a very simple mechanic. Every Deedcoin is one-tenth of a commission point, but it's better to think of them in tens. So every 10 Deedcoin eliminate 1% of a property's price as commission. So there's actually a, an article that we're writing, and it'll be out soon. It, basically, the context is the NAR owns 6% of your house, and you're not mad about it. That's basically a bathroom you know, a guest bathroom in your home. So when you go to sell that house, that, that incredibly high commission rate, you don't keep that after the closing table. You know, that goes to an agent, that goes to a system that just simply isn't the best one. So if you have a 6% commission through any conventional agent and a platform that streamlines and takes away all those costs and all those things that raise the problem, what we can do is reduce it down to a 1% commission. So because every deed coin or every 10 deed coin equal 1% of the commission, if you're buying off 5% of the commission, leaving just that 1%, it takes 50 deed coin to do that. So it's very simple. Each 10, 1% of your property price. And it works as a a percentage. So that means that regardless of the property price, it's still 1%. So the average home in the U.S. is 225,000. 10 deed coin on this home against the current system will save with the same level of service, better platforms, $2,250. $500,000 house, uh, each 10 deed coin save $5,000. Million dollar property, each deed coin save, uh, well, each one save 1,000 and each 10 save 10,000. So it works on any property because the entire agent system now is based on percentages. So we can also base our token economics on those same percentages. Makes sense. Yeah. So this token is going to be more of a kind of a security coin that you give out to people and they somehow like pay back into the system through the percentage. No, no, no. So Deedcoin is the farthest away from a security that really can be. Uh, There's two sides of the spectrum. There's a usable token and there's a security token. If I'm launching a, you know, new blockchain to, for commercial users, for example, to launch more tokens on, that token doesn't do anything today. It is a theoretical product that'll uh, in the future do something. And the pricing is based on how much it does, how many people adopt. Uh, Deedcoin is actually usable today. We're letting the free market set the price of real estate commissions. We can get everything running at 1%. We can get the agents at that point. So, But that's a very, very bare-bone point for agents. So basically, the cost of Deedcoin is going to be dictated by the free market. That means that any cost over that, let's call it a break-even point at 1%, uh, is completely decided by the user base as a whole, the customer base. Because there's no freer economy than you know a free market exchange. It just can't happen, especially uh, when there's multiple of them as well. So there's a decentralized control even on the exchanges. It's just people deciding what commission is worth to real estate agents because they do provide a good service. You can go on, you can work, you know, you can pick the kids up from daycare. You don't have to worry about always rushing home to open your house and, you know, deal with some strangers or learn all the legal ins and outs. It is a good service. It just shouldn't cost 6%. If people were paying realistic commissions, people wouldn't always ask, well, you know, are you worth that downstairs bathroom? Because I kind of like it. That makes sense. So essentially, the market rate of each percentage will uh, determine the value of coin. 
Yes. And because Deedcoin is usable at different levels for different people, you get them on the exchanges. But when you come back to the HQ platform to use them to buy off percentages, yeah, somebody with a uh, gas station to sell, for example, at $2 million, he's going to use them to discount a local agent uh, $2,000 per coin. That's a much different utility level than a person selling, say, a $100,000 starter home in Florida. In that situation, you know, it's going to be $100 per uh, coin that he saves in commission using them on the system. So Deedcoin does all the same things that a lot of tokens do. They transfers around, it, it, you know, creates a free market economy, but it also is directly usable for the majority of people. There's a lot of tokens that apply to very niche sectors of technology, you know, cloud storage and, and things like that. Not a lot of people need a tokenized cloud storage system. The, the economy might and the industry itself might benefit greatly by the way that they do things on a blockchain. But the uh, market user segment is, I guess, relatively small, where something like Deedcoin, it's usable for everybody. If you own a home or plan to buy a home or want to sell your home, you know, buy your kids their first one, uh, rental properties, anything, anybody who wants to interact with property has to buy or sell it. And any person in that situation can save a lot of money using Deedcoin. It makes a lot of sense. So why is your team the one that's going to be able to pull this off? It's a great question. You know, I think when it comes to a team, you kind of have to, in order for your team to actually be the one to pull anything off, your team has to be able to agree on a common goal, has to at least see the picture, has to understand the value of it, and has to have their own personal values aligned with the goal of the coin, the company, the team, you know, you name it. Our particular team, we're completely, we're all state licensed uh, real estate agents. Being state licensed, that means we are uh, compliant to a certain code of ethics. We already are licensed to handle other people's money in escrow, in deposit, you name it. Uh, we can't mi- misrepresent things. We can't conceal things from our buyers and sellers. We actually believe, based on, I guess, our own upbringings, that the ICO industry needs a gigantic reboot of ethics because right now it literally, viewed from both the outside and the inside, everyone looks at 90% of the people they're talking to as a gigantic scam artist. That has to change. Like, I mean, that has to, has to, has to change. We're either going to be faced with knee-jerk regulation from a group like the Security and Exchanges Commission or worse. Or we're going to be, I guess, I don't know, shut out completely. Granted, you can never really shut down blockchain and you can never really kill cryptocurrency. But the amount of good that this technology can do, that needs to be shown at the forefront of the industry and not everyone just scamming each other with pump and dumps over nonsense securities. I actually just described the other day that 90% of tokens you see right now are essentially an unlicensed security with a brand name and a manufactured scarcity that may or may not increase in value and may or may not be asset backed. That's very optimistic. Okay. Like there's no real, other than just the amount of hype you can get into something and the amount of interest you can generate into something, they're not really doing anything as far as creating actual wealth or creating value. And I guess you could say the world, they're not changing the world. They're just, so to speak, playing a game with the other people in the crypto space. Now, you know, crypto is cool for the people already in the blockchain space, but we have to, I guess you could say, put the responsibility on our own shoulders to bring this technology to the rest of the people, you know, who of course are going to be knee-jerk scared of it, like they are of every new technology. And we need to be, I guess you could say, ambassadors of it. So the reason I joined this team, and this was not the first ICO that I was uh, recruited for was just the high standard of ethics. So I think this team's success is all going to be based on, as you would say, our common moral compass and our common vision for what 
the blockchain uh, technology and industry can actually do to the world and not what it can do to our bank account in six weeks. We don't actually, we're not in this for, we're not here to make a scheme. We don't think anyone else should be. We really want to be industry role models. On top of that, I guess you could say we know a whole bunch about real estate collectively. We all have a background in it. We have, all, I guess, all have no problem working 17-hour days because that's the life of a ICO. Yeah, been there. <laughs> you know, what I really like about your team, and uh, this is something that I think makes a good project, is when a group of people has been working with a problem for a long time and then goes and tries to solve the problem, their own problem. So you guys are realtors in the real estate industry, and you were very intimate with this problem and, and saw like the opportunity there. You know, I think it says something when you're trying to solve your own problem. Yeah, absolutely. And I also want to mention that there's a lot of good brokers out there. And if you want to find any of them, they're in the Deedcoin network. Simply because all these people agreed. They agreed that it wasn't fair the way it works. Do I hear a horn? Because I think you just tooted it. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you got to remember, we we called these people and we said, hey, this is a system. It makes sense. And you know what? Three out of four said no. They said, I like my 6% commissions. I have my client book. We even heard a few, I don't want more customers. That's I I never understood exactly how a real estate agent could say that one, but good for them. But I'll tell you something, that fourth out of fourth one says, you know, tell me more. And then by the end of a probably typically a half an hour phone call to give them the whole scope and answer all the real estate related questions they had, uh, they absolutely love it. Uh, It makes sense. They get a lot more volume. They get a lot of transactional support. They don't have to worry about how their agents are going to chase down the next deal or, you know, where, what neighborhoods to assign them to knock on doors and things like that. They were very happy to be able to do actual real estate work instead of just chasing customers all the time. And they were willing to, you know, understand that that should be the way it works and that there's a lower rate. So... Anyways, the foresight of some of these people to understand that the system will collapse and to understand that volume is important, even at a lower rate. These people were definitely ahead of the curve. So anyways, it's a, it's definitely not all agents, but there is a lot of players out there that absolutely love the way it is and would never change it, regardless of who it's best for. Yeah, and I, uh, I hope you guys can make it happen. Seems like a really exciting project from, from what I know about it so far. Yeah, well, and the nice thing is uh, we went in development first on the project. So we already have 50 states. We have 130 brokers. I mean, that's an exceptional amount of, of people that were willing to, willing to, I guess, make the right decision on which way this industry should take moving forward. And you can't just be a guy out there that says, I'll charge a $1 commission because the fact is you won't be able to produce enough volume to maintain a business model like that. You'd be pushed down. The most important thing is being able to launch this quickly at a nationwide level. And that's why the first step, of course, was the brokers. And that's a a little bit of a difference to some of the launches that you see. Some launches, you know, will have a a beta version or, you know, they'll have a a theory or a token that's, you know, going to stand as a placeholder and does nothing until another one launches on their own. And that's great because a lot of projects do have that development window. They need a lot of funds to just get it rolling. But the nice thing about our project is a lot of what we do applies to the real world. So the one of the most important things was building that real world network. If you look at a company like Redfin, they've absolutely exploded. They don't do blockchain. They don't do really very much, but they are in 37 states. Over the eight years or so they've been in business, they uh, did an IPO, doubled their share price in six months. And the only thing that they're functionally doing is lowering commissions to 5%, not to 1%, or 4.5% in select markets. 
So we're very excited to see where this goes. But the amount of growth they've seen in customer base, even at those very, very small levels and the very, very slow growth that they've had means the market is ready. Their business model isn't as uh, quickly growing as a network is and it can't launch as fast because it doesn't have the blockchain. But it does mean the customers are ready. If you give even 1% off of that commission, they're just tired of paying the 6%. So we just, we're ready to take that to the next level. Absolutely. Yeah. Start saving some money or having realtors and customers save money, I should say. Yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed by the network you guys have managed to build. 50 states. How, how long did that take, by the way? Actually, a, a shorter time period than you would think because it was important to, to start getting that out there. Initially, we planned on getting Florida, some states in the southeast done. But me and Matthew were making the calls at the time and honestly, we we're having a fun time with it. So we just hired a couple more people, taught them how to make the calls and they went at it for another four weeks. So maybe about five weeks with two to four people on the phones. But anyways, yeah, the system was relatively simple. We explain it through and through to them. We get them onboarded with Deedcoin HQ. There's a standing DocuSign that we send out, making them part of the network in the area that they're in. And yeah, that, that was it. But anyways, we felt it was important that if we're going to build something like this, that we show that it's it's ready to go first. Makes a lot of sense. I'm impressed you guys are already built a nationwide network without having really raised in much money. Yeah, so it definitely did cost some money, but yeah, Matt and I funded a, a very, very large portion of this first. And we, we did that on belief as well. You know, if you create something that works for people, that people will use it. Economies, they take the path of least resistance. So if there's a, a higher price in one place and a lower price in another, if those two products are equal, every time it's going to go with the lower cost one. So anyways, it is important. And most importantly, it's not as simple as a price. We offer a lot of different things as well. Currently, there's no way to find out if you're getting a good agent. With DeedCoin, you know you're getting a good agent because there's only one or two in the area because we want to make sure that they have a good amount of transactional volume. So if ever there's an agent that we didn't like in an area, we simply replace them. Because we're working with such a small group at a high volume, it's very easy to coach them with what the uh, users on the platform are saying to actually get reviews because we do oversee every deal. And the benefit to the customer and also the agent is the in-house transaction processors. Most people don't know about these, but every good agent who's always on point and you get emails, uh, even though you deal with Bob, you get, keep getting emails from Jennifer at his office. That Jennifer is called a uh, transaction processor. They are designed to schedule, send out documents, call lenders, uh, make sure appraisals are on point. Basically, make sure everybody else in the transaction doesn't screw up. It's a very, very time-consuming task. So the important thing that we're going to do for the agents and also the customers is make sure every single one of our agents has one of those. And they're not in their house. They're in our house. They work in the central network. So we have an online platform. It's very easy to use Deedcoin. Just instead of hiring an agent on Google or Zillow, you just go to Deedcoin HQ. And then you link up with an agent with Deedcoin. Once you put the Deedcoin in escrow, buy the discount, it links you. It creates a transaction portal. This doesn't exist anywhere in real estate currently. That's a portal where you have access, your agent has access, uh, we as admin have access, and then of course uh, a transaction processor also has access. So for example, if it's 10 o'clock at night and your agent's busy or sleeping, but you know, you're really stressing about a closing, you want to know what this item on the HUD is, you know, if you're going to wake up at 7 o'clock to go sign away your house, uh, you can go right in that portal. And then somebody down here in Florida can can talk to you, walk across the room, pull your file and, you know, explain that that's, you know, maybe a mortgage points or something. Whatever the question is, they can schedule things, they can DocuSign documents, uh, 
basically always answer questions and support both the agent and the customer. So transaction processors' whole goal is to make sure everything goes smoothly. Uh, maybe 10% of agents currently in the market bother to hire these because they cost a couple hundred a transaction. So we provide them for free because it's a better experience. So it's not just a lower price. It's a more streamlined model and it's a better system. That sounds amazing. Hopefully when I buy a house, I can use some Deedcoin. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds pretty ambitious at first, but like five, 10 years down the road, what do you see this looking like? Okay, really glad you asked that. You know, I was watching the Super Bowl the other week and I noticed something in the advertisements. Did you guys see that ad? Do you know what I'm talking about? About Bitcoin futures, about Bitcoin retirement? I did not. Okay. Well, blockchain has made it into a Super Bowl advertisement. Another advertisement I saw was one for Zillow.com. So naturally, Rob, I took that as a personal insult and a personal slap in the face that my product was not on the Super Bowl, and yet my competitor, as well as another blockchain product, were. In five to ten years, (laughs) you know what I mean? It got me spun up. I was losing sleep. I will be brutally honest with though, the potential for this particular blockchain service is really, really, really almost frighteningly scalable. We only have, you know, been building infrastructure in the United States so far and we're a US based coin. And of course, uh, the United States is actually one of the most, one of the higher commission countries when it comes to real estate transactions. And there's a huge need for it here. Another fun fact about the United States is that there's about $15 trillion in privately owned land, 15 trillion, that's one five T. Now, if we go back to what Charles was saying about how Deedcoin, you know, gives you back five to 6% of equity in your house, do you know how much five to 6% equity of 15 trillion is? It's $750 billion, 750B. That's a, that's a pretty penny right there. Oh Could yeah, it's a, a hefty sum. For that. Yeah, a lot of bathrooms, a lot of bathrooms. That's a hefty sum. So, Pipe dream aside, like let's say we just do well enough in 2018 where we can get the funds for a Super Bowl ad in 2019, we could probably have 75% nationwide adoption by the end of 2019. If we have 75% nationwide adoption by 2019, that's saying we have what, $12 trillion of real estate being transacted with Decoin? Do you know what that could be? That's just an astronomical sum. So five to 10 years from now, like I, goodness gracious, like I can't even... You're making me break a sweat right now, Jeff. That question is making me extremely uncomfortable. So, And that solution is cross-market. Initially, yeah, it's here in the U.S. But yeah, he's mentioned there's a lot of commissions that are still high out there around the world. So it is an important goal of Decoins because the way the network building model works, we can launch overseas relatively quickly. You know, it takes uh, building out the legal structure, putting up a headquarters out there, building a broker network, and then marketing. So it is an important goal of ours to go after these international markets as well quickly because the thing more powerful than a national real estate solution is an international one. We have a lot more opportunity to make changes, a lot larger user base to support our systems, and then definitely fixing that MLS system. So in 10 years, we would like to see people not paying that kind of crazy rate to sell their home. We'd like to see people that when they go to find somebody to do real estate business with, that they go to Deedcoin and that when they use the MLSs, they use something that's fair and open and public. Because honestly, these solutions just make sense. They should exist today, but that's why they're solutions because the problem exists today. So the solution has to come. And yeah, initially we definitely use Deedcoin to take those points down. But as Deedcoin grows, that fiat 1% stability point that we have to keep it all running, uh, what we would definitely like to see 
is uh, that to convert to deed coin as well. We would like deed coin to be the coin to sell a house or buy a property anywhere. Awesome. That was a pretty good answer. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think crypto is going to be like in 2018? Uh, in 2018, uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of changes this year, especially lately with the way the uh, the market <laughs> I guess a lot of people consider it a, a betrayal to the new people if they bought in at 18,000 of Bitcoin. I think there's certain uh, growing pains that people need to go through as well. You know, there was a ridiculous and unsupportable speculation levels uh, in crypto. And, you know, people see that uh, it can be unreliable if people put that much hype into it. It is an awesome solution for a lot of industries and it definitely needs to grow. But the rates, the exponential growth, was simply dangerous. At the same time, you're getting futures involved and everything. So I feel like 18 is going to be a year of a little more stability. People are going to be a little more careful in the solutions that they back, the coins they purchase, their due diligence, and uh, being able to filter out good projects from uh, bad ones. I also believe that ethics are going to increase naturally in 2018. We definitely want to push some works into that as well, mm -hmm. because that is incredibly important. There cannot be this great solution that the public is able to create and access and build just for to all be screwed up by bad actors because what's going to happen next the, the companies that have these positions of central power already they're going to say okay well you guys screwed it up now it costs so much to launch a blockchain that we're just going to do it ourselves because we're the only people that can afford the uh, registrations and if something like that happens those guys that sat in the middle for all those years charging so much money and centralizing everything they're just going to be able to do that with a much better technology. So I think it's really important that everybody goes into this carefully, understanding the industry and not putting out anything that could shape this industry for the worst. I pretty much echo his sentiment. The thing I would love to see most, even you know, above my own success, is that the blockchain space needs to have an ethical revolution in 2018 and it has to happen from within the space and not from outside it. He pretty much hit every single nail on the head that I wanted to hit, but I mean, it is imperative that we have to be the adults in our own playground. Like, it's just how it has to be. Yeah, totally agree. I think 2018 is going to be the year of the, the dappening. You know, everyone's going to start building out their products and those who don't follow through are going to get burned. And I'm really hoping nobody launches cartoon dogs on the Ethereum blockchain. <laughs> Uh, that might be inevitable. I don't know about that. We really don't need another crypto kitties this year. I don't know. I like dogs. I'm more of a dog person. So I kind of like the uh, non-fungible token though, because you can assign things like deeds to a token and, and split it up in other ways. But that's for another day. Yeah. So there is going to be a lot of capability. That was one thing we mentioned about the Generation 3 MLS. Uh, we do want to be able to store uh, secure data on there. That is a very important goal of ours. Honestly, all data is better stored on a, on a blockchain. It really is. Uh, if it needs to be something that it doesn't matter if trust happens, you know, SQL is great. But if something important, you know, if it's something that is related to people's health or safety or making sure something was repaired that could kill somebody if it wasn't, you know, maybe a, a plane's in one country and needs an engine and you know, somebody in the other one needs to be able to know that engine was installed. You know, historical accuracy is very, very important to put in a way where it can never be changed. And that's one important thing about blockchain is once data is there, it is absolutely unchangeable. And that's a great benefit to a lot of industries. And that's why one thing we want to have a, the eventual Decoin version on a uh, generation three blockchain so we can get that data on there as well. So 
it doesn't just operate in one aspect, it can operate in two. Because it is important to have property data and, you know, deeds are one thing. Tracking ownership is, I don't know if it's simple on the blockchain, it's not our project, but being able to figure out if a property has hidden defects, you can't do that at a title office. You know, finding liens or carryovers or things like that, that can be done. But there's so many details about property that are are hidden in today's market. And it would be nice for the public to be able to see that. Even if they were disclosed in the current system, you couldn't even see the disclosure because you can't access MLS. And Zillow doesn't put bad stuff on Zillow about houses because they want you to go look at them. Yeah, Btoken, we're trying to exploit the same thing, you know, try to create a, a transparency that blockchain can allow for. And it's it's such a useful technology for that sort of thing to allow for data to be immutably stored to allow for free access of it. I think you guys are really such like a good textbook case for what blockchain is capable of. I'm really excited for the possibilities that you at DeedCoin can possibly create. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. We are also very excited, but it's a it's a long road, definitely. You know, currently the development, so we went into that first. So just getting to the point where we're, you know, starting the marketing, uh, getting out there in front of people, building up more of a uh, social base. Um, this was a long way into our project. Because we had so much done on other fronts, it's nice that we're not scrambling on the, the technical end. We just have to share this with people. The most important thing, if you have a good solution, is letting people know about it. Because it doesn't matter how good an idea is if you don't tell anyone. And, you know, that takes time. So, you know, this stage we're early, but in another month, there's another whole set of new users. And the nice thing about something like this, when people use it in real life and can save that amount of money, they tell family, they tell friends, it kind of spreads the option because people do want to help each other. We're not bad by instinct. You know, if somebody has something that, you know, has worked for them, they're going to tell their sister, their family that, hey, there's a better option than paying Susan down the road there 6% every time you sell something. So we're excited to see the growth in this. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the future for you guys. I expect big things. So we're running low on time. Is there anything else that you guys want to talk about that I haven't already asked? Yeah, there is one thing. I want to point out to people that a lot of times when people got behind something like Bitcoin a long time ago, it didn't do very much initially. It, It does more now and it started a whole movement into all these other options out there for people. But initially, the most important thing that it did was decentralization, taking that power away. And it did it purely economically. It was a service capable of the same technology in a better way that the banks had. Because the banks, all they could do is a ledger and a bad one at that. When a different ledger came around, a different option, everybody adopted to this. Because you take that control away, people abuse power. If somebody has absolute power at the beginning, at the center of a system for a couple centuries... The rates are going to be high. Nobody said banks were the nicest guys in the world. But the solution that Bitcoin had wasn't in the uh, technology. Uh, It was also in the free economy. It was in both. Uh, The ability to send money without these central powers and decide what that solution is worth on the free market uh, created the growth of this entire industry. So there's an important aspect to the economics of what we do. And also, there's a lot of solutions out there. And the more good ones that can be thought up, the more, I guess, monopolies that abuse power in the center of some big economy currently, there's a lot of different options. And I don't know, I just, I, we'd like to see more of them. We'd like to see more of those ones that take back something from somebody else that's uh, used it too long. So, yeah, I think that's one of the most important things you can do with this technology is to transfer the power from the incumbents to a decentralized version of the same thing. I think that can really be one of the most important things we can do with this technology. So I see you guys are doing that, and uh, I hope that you guys can be one of the success stories of how blockchain took down the powers that be. Right. I think that, you know, if I were to touch on the answer, 
I think people's focus right now in this industry is perhaps, I don't know, I would say call it Southpaw because when you, you hear more about cryptocurrency than you hear about blockchain, where the real technological revolution of this technology comes from is inside blockchain, not really in cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is useful on the blockchain, but blockchain itself is the infrastructure that makes unbelievable technologies possible. And that's the future, for lack of a better word. Cryptocurrency, you know, it's useful, but it's useful on a blockchain. But what a blockchain can do when you apply it to real life, do you know what I mean, Jeff? Yeah, the technology is the important part, not necessarily just the, the tokens that people are trading around. Right. Yeah, that's what I've been saying. So we're out of time now, but where can people learn more about Deedcoin if they want to? Our launch site is on deedcoinlaunch.com. And then our, uh, if you want to actually look at the platform in beta, the one that's got all the brokers in it, it has an agent map and everything. So people can actually contact uh, agents in the Deedcoin network and ask them questions. That's Deedcoin HQ. So it's a D is in Delta, E is in Echo, E is in Echo, D is in Delta, uh, launch, and also HQ.com. Deedcoin launch for the token itself and Deedcoin HQ to see the platform. Sounds good. We'll link that up for the listeners. Thank you guys so much, you guys, for coming on. I really appreciate it. We had a couple technical difficulties, but we made it through to the ends. Hey, that's what matters. Thanks for having us, Jeff. Thanks for having us, Rob. We had a great time. Yeah, I appreciate being on the show, and thank you. Good luck to your podcast. Thank you so much, and good luck to Deedcoin. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for joining us, man. Thank you for listening to a BitCryptic podcast. The podcast is hosted by Rob Peterson, Alain Leon, and myself, Jeff Peterson. Website created by Coco Liu and Kevin Van, and show notes and articles made by our editor-in-chief, Dang Du. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really, really does help us promote the show a lot. So, we're a new show. If you guys want to share the love, share the awesome things you found here, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find us on Twitter at Keep It Cryptic. That's K-E-E-P-I-T Cryptic. Or you can find us on Medium or Steemit at a bit cryptic, A-B-I-T-C-R-Y-P-T-I-C, kind of like the show name, a bit cryptic. Again, that's on Medium or Steemit. And we have other articles that aren't just podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening. And as always, keep it cryptic.